I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. The other day, my partners Gina and Kemp were over working from my dining room table, and I brought out my mic and surprised them with this little spontaneous podcast time. They're pretty publicity shy, but lucky for me and for you, they talked openly about what brought us together to start this business, how we look at the last nine years, what makes us crazy about each other, where things are going with this business, and uh, it's a real love fest for the second shift. So if you like this type of content, let me know and I'll force them to appear more often. Also, we got cut off at the end because I suck at technology, so I apologize in advance for the abrupt ending. Think if anybody in the world would think that it's funny that I have the technology and the capacity to do this podcast, it would be the two people who are sitting next to me, Gina and Kemp. Gina is the co-founder of The Second Shift. Kemp is the CFO of The Second Shift. We are all partners, and they know that I have like like a magnetic thumb on like oh, a no, glitch. You're, you're a fucking, you're like the goon, like what is it? The, it's not the Goonies, it's the Gremlins. You're, you were, I mean, but there was something you got involved in our first accounts payable and no one could figure out what you did to screw it up so badly. So this is extraordinary that you have like, we've talked about this machines with lights and a mic though, just so everybody knows, Jenny did fix it by banging it really hard on her dining table. So we're not out of the woods yet. We're making it work. Kemp, welcome to the Second Shift Podcast. This is your first experience here. The three of us are sitting here at my dining table and decided that we should let you in behind the scenes on how we work and, and how we know each other and what it's like to be part of the Second Shift. So welcome, Kemp. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Is it weird that your husband's been on the podcast, but you haven't? Kind of, but he's been on a lot of podcasts, so. He was the most popular episode so far. He was? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. I will I'm have to tell him that. It's going to go right to his head. <laughs> that's very funny. Tell the story about when I wrote him the note saying, like, can you be on the podcast? What happened that day? Uh, he came home and said, hey, I got two invitations to be on podcast today. And I was like, oh, really great. He said, yeah, the second shift. And Reed Hastings podcast. I was like, you know, it's basically the same. It's totally the same. Anyway. Uh, I agree. And probably, you know, ours is I, I think better. So obviously. Obviously. Reed Hastings, we love you and we love everything that you're doing in Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're sitting at my dining room table because we no longer have an office to go to in the post-COVID world, decided that that was something that was we got used to and seemed sort of unnecessary, but what do you individually miss about having the office that we used to go to? I miss all of us being together all day. Every day was very, I think it was good. And I think that there is real alchemy when people are together for a creative process and solving problems efficiently. As nice as flexible work is, I do think there was something to being in the room, especially when you like the people that you work with. If you don't, then maybe it's different, but uh, I think collaborative effort is great. 
to echo Kemp's point, we always had a lot of fun at work. I know, again, to Mike Stive, he makes fun of us all the time because he listens in on our calls. And the first 20 minutes is always gabbing, but that's like the joy of being at the office, right? So we do it on Zoom. The thing that is also imperative about getting together is I get stir crazy at home for five days. I find that I am a couple of days at home. I'm super effective, but five days, it's not good. It's not good. And also I don't need to eat lunch with my husband every day. It's just not the way your marriage is supposed to go. I lo- Sorry, Eric, I love you so much, but it's just not necessary for me to eat every meal with you every day. I, I do miss that. And lunch was such a big deal for us too. I say I liked the camaraderie aspect of it. Also felt like the routineness of like, you got up, you did the, went to the gym, you went to the office. Like now you definitely, there's more things that happen during the day than used to happen during the day. And I appreciate having the ability to do that and still effectively get the work that needs to get done. But the routine aspect of it, the piece of it where like, we'd be like, what's for lunch today? I don't know. And the, the chattiness. And I understand that's like an anathema to Mike's die, but just like the wasted time of even the conversation about lunch would be something that he was like, you could have gotten five more minutes of productive time out of that. But that was part of like the ethos of the second shift. And when we're together, you know, I, again, to echo Kim's point, I really enjoy the company of you two and knowing about your lives and being part of each other's lives and, and talking through problems together. Because we're creating this, there's no higher entity that is telling us what the direction of the company is. We're not being as, I always think how wonderful it would be to like be assigned work at this point in my career. But if we're not creating it, if we don't figure out what needs to be done next, it doesn't get done. And so being together makes that load feel more manageable because I know for myself that I can be effective and efficient when I have stuff that I know needs to get done, when I have the to-do list, but it's the other, it's the creative part of it. It's the building the business part of it is what do we want to do next? It's the, where do we want this company to be in six, 12, 18 months? That never happens when you're sitting alone in your apartment. Okay. To that point, we've now been doing this company and working together and have created this. I mean, this is almost... 10 years we've been together. Yes. It's 2023. Since like initial inception, I think it's really interesting to think about in that time frame. What were your goals for work then? And how in some ways have they changed what you were looking for in work, what you set out to do and what inspired you to join and be part of or found this company? For me, my goals were I had worked in investment banking for a long time. I had worked with a lot of startups and I'd worked with a lot of mission-driven startups, largely in education, but I was looking to work at a startup. I thought it would be really fun. Um, I was comfortable with mission-driven entrepreneurs and I was sort of, you know, kind of casting about trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I was very fortunate to run into Jenny when I did. And the goal being to build something, to create some flexibility in my life and in my family life. And, you know, ultimately to be really proud of what I built, um, both financially and from a sort of putting good things out into the world. Um, And I think that's largely the same goal exists and I feel like we're well on our way. So I don't think it's deviated very much. 
do you have now in this next chapter where we're, you know, farther along the pike, where our kids are older, our lives are in some ways more settled and, and so much has changed in the past nearly 10 years since we founded, I mean, in our lives, in the culture, we've lived through so many different phases of work and life and family. How do you feel looking out at the next chapter, the next part of your career journey with the second shift and just in like your life goals? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity still ahead of us for the second shift as we continue to sort of evolve the company and and the types of clients that we target and the type of work we do. So, you know, I think I'd like to, you know, put some stakes in, in the ground around some successes this year. And then after that, I don't know, you know, if somebody came and paid us a bajillion dollars and bought this company tomorrow, what would I do next? I don't, I'm not sure, actually. I love- I, I'd, I'd like to think about myself doing I, I might do so. I might become a second shift member and do some consulting. I like a bajillion dollars. I would like everyone to know that our CFO has said that the price of our company <laughs> is one bajillion dollars. We're only taking that one bajillion. Okay. So for you, Gina, when we started the second shift, what would you say were your career goals then? And what would you say are your career goals now? I'm in a bit of a different boat than you lovely ladies. Cause as of 2024, I have no kids at home anymore. So the trajectory of my life changes as soon as I drop my younger son off at college. That being said, it's not as if I want to stop working and stop building what we've built, but I think that there is, for the first time in our collective lives, the idea that, oh, this could be a marker. This could be a point that we kind of, that we put in the sand to decide what happens in the fall of 2024 or 2025. When we started the company, we were so heads down and it was such a, it was such a sprint and it was building things from scratch. And it was up all night figuring stuff out and putting together presentations. And now we know what our business is. So there's, to Kemp's point, it's the, the, the cadence is very different because we've already built it. But I, I would like to see some kind of a significant landmark for us to figure out what the second shift becomes now that the idea of flexible and contingent work has become an accepted norm. Do we need to push that boundary further? Do more companies need to accept it? Does it need to become the rule and not the exception? Or do we start to reach out to different other clients for whom this is an entire new journey and to help them figure this out? Jenny, what are your career goals? Well, my career goals when we started this was trying to figure out what my career was going to be because I had set out with one very specific career goal and then that ended and then I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. And part of that was also the desire to build something, the desire to do something that had meaning And also just like the identity of it, like that was an identity that I thought I was going to have. That was being a journalist, being attached to my career. And that was what I had wanted to do. And then it was trying to figure out like, okay, well then what's my identity now? And a lot of women go through that because I had had kids in the middle. And then I was like, oh, my identity is my kids. I don't like that being my only version of myself. I want to have a professional identity as well. So starting the second shift, in a lot of ways solved different 
pieces of that for me and tied it all up together very nicely. And I've really loved it in every aspect of building this business. I doesn't feel like in any way nearly 10 years have gone by because it's been an exciting and interesting journey the entire time. The only real, I really think because all three of us are mothers, that is the marker in time, right? That is the marker. I mean, I'm not oversharing, but I remember when Kemp was a mess on the couch at our first office because it was kindergarten and they hadn't heard from the school and there was no way and it was all going to be terrible. And now her daughter is at a wonderful school, which was their first choice anyway. Like I remember getting calls from my older son when he wanted to quit swim team and like the stress of that and then going to high school. And I feel like those markers and then our other members of our teams have had babies and because we're all women those are the only real markers in time that make me realize that this has been as long as it has been. The fact that our kids are so much bigger than when we all first got to know each other. Well, because we all look so fabulous. We all look and are, you know, we haven't aged a bit here. Uh-huh. We are, you know, remarkable in that. That's why none of us are doing any period dramas. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say there's been so many interesting like inflection points in the business. And sometimes I think about it in like where we were located too, because there were like different phases based on the location of where we were, like the first office that we were in, we like, you know, rented office space from Nate Richardson's fintech company. Oh, and pour one out for me. He's the best. And, oh, my God. and you know, and where we ate lunch in those offices and what was our like sort of routine at that time. And then we were in the nomad area. We were in, you know, so just the, the different places or the politics of it too. And, you know, we, we didn't, I don't think any of us thought that we would be as tied in some ways to like the politics of women and gender and everything that comes with that as we became really only because the administration changed and the dynamic in the environment and the social political That's climate right, changed. I think we also we also saw the the rise and swift fall of the girl boss sort of, you know, stereotype and it was unfortunate in most cases, I think, but I think you know, the conversation around what we do and frankly, the business model has been, you know, a, a huge uplift from the pandemic, really. And that's really been an opportunity for us, as terrible as it was. But I agree. I think the political thing has been an interesting tide to ride, but it, it's changed a lot along the way. I think about that now. Last year, what one of the words in 2022 was vibe shift. And like looking at what the vibe shift is as we look at 2023 and where things are, what do you think? Because it has, we've lived through just different phases in women's empowerment movement and feminism and flexible working and remote working and, you know, hybrid, all these things. What's your vibe going into 2023? I think overall politically, I would say, and from an economic perspective, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. We're going to have a divided, fucked up government. We already see that. But I think also we're in a weird place where there's a lot of noise around a recession, but it's still an incredibly tight labor market. And I think, you know, tech layoffs get a lot of headlines and they and it's very relevant to what we do. Those are our clients too. However, it's actually a really small percentage of the labor market. And 
for the most part, what we see is people are really need people and companies are desperate and we have great people. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's a sort of funny uncertainty around 2023. I don't really have a handle on it yet. I worry, especially since one of our largest clients is no longer our client because of a new owner and CEO, that there is a backslide that employees are spoiled and that they are over that they get too much. And the pendulum, there seem to be so many champions of the like, fuck the employees, work harder, grind it out. And that's part of the problem that we were trying to solve is that not everybody can be on a sprint their entire lives, especially if we would like to continue this race of people that we have. There are, and for everybody, for so many different reasons. And that kind of, it just seems like there is some kind of a cheering for the lack of empathy. And I don't know how that ever is good business to make your employees your enemy. That being said, the vibe right now, just first of all, 2023 has no ring to it. <laughs> there just, it just sounds awkward. So that's to me is kind it feel to Kemp's point, it feels uncertain. It's like we're on the BOSU ball. Like we can't figure out some news is good. Some news is terrible. I think that in, for us in what we do, we are lucky enough to work with clients who understand the importance of talent and under and are beginning to really create a toolkit for themselves so they know that they need certain things at certain times and hopefully the second shift can fill in and be a resource not only for employers but also for our members. That's what our success lies on. And so for as crazy as things are out there, it's the relationships that we built over this period of time and people trust us. And, you know, there are no better members than ours. Nobody works harder. Nobody's more experienced. And so hopefully in 2023, we can continue to prove to employers that working with the second shift is a win-win. Yeah. In terms of vibe, I usually think about it more like societal and cultural, like where are people going? You know, there's a white space around in our general company thought leadership where there's a lot of businesses that were in our space that are no longer. And so trying to figure out the messaging around this moment and what it is and the, and remaining optimistic when a lot of the news that's coming out feels pessimistic is hard to navigate. So considering it's only the fourth um, of of January, I'm going to touch back on this in a little bit when I can, I I asked it because I'm trying to sort of figure it out. Like what is the vibe? What's the like place where we want to put our, our message? Because it's definitely not in the like politics of the girl bossiness or, you know, I don't know, just we got to figure it out. We don't want to be heavy. No one wants to be heavy. But that's the whole thing is it's about empathy and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And the, the idea that it has to be one way or the other has never been where we've where we've existed. And so that is also a hard message to put messaging around. It's about being fluid and about figuring out how to solve problems immediately and solve problems long-term. There's, there's, we've always said that like, we have to be very cognizant at the second shift that we could go on and on in our messaging. So what the message for 2023 will be still needs to be figured out. 
The last thing I would add is what we've always said from a business perspective is we are never asking clients to do us or any of our members a favor. We always have and continue to have the best talent. It gets better every single day. And I think employers are desperate for good people now as always. And, you know, no, we're not asking anyone to do us any favors. We still have the best people. Okay, let's talk about us for a second, because I think people are always really fascinated by the fact that, first of all, a lot of times groups of three get a bad rap. Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels were three, but (laughs) we are the Charlie's Angels of professional. (laughs) We're the Tribe Called Quest. (laughs) But we, you know, sometimes groups of three can be difficult. We've managed, I think, to navigate over a long period of time with a lot of friendship and love and emotional generosity to each other. We've gone through a lot of different personal journeys in the last nearly 10 years. And sometimes it's been beneficial to the company and sometimes it's been harmful and we've taken up slack for each other. And it's really a place that I feel like a tremendous amount of gratitude and an appreciation that we have this great relationship with each other. And a lot of people ask me how you manage to maintain that because it's hard. It's hard to find co-founders. It's hard to find partners that you like, that you can trust over times and have flexibility with. What have we learned from each other over the course of years? And what do you think holds us together? Jenny, you're making me talk about feelings. Feelings! I'm all. <laughs> can't do it. I can't talk about feelings. Um, I think we trust each other. Everyone's a grown up. And if you have the, if you have a mutual expectation that all of us meet, that people are going to do what they say they're going to do, and they're, will be there for one another, both in work and in life, then it works, but you have to be mindful and trust one another. I love you, Kemp Stab. <laughs> She's blushing and so uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not the best at talking about feelings. And this one, she's just, she's cringing right now into her seat. But let's talk, turn, toss it to Gina, who could talk about feelings all day long. Again, I think sometimes it's like you have to have different perspectives and different people and different people who are good at things. And so not everybody can be good at feelings because if we were all good at feelings, we would never get anything done. And if, you know, you have to have that balance and it's like an alchemy that just kind of works. And I don't know if you can create it without a lot of intentional effort to make it happen. That is, I think the key to all of this is the intentionality. I don't think, I know that we don't take each other for granted. Again, empathy, understanding, because we are a small company and between the three of us and everybody else that works for us, we bring our whole selves to work. We know what's going on. There is the opportunity to meet everybody where they are at that moment. I also think I have learned so much from working with both of you and the rest of the team at the second shift. And it has been so beneficial to look at problems and look at issues from somebody else's perspective. I I mean, I've said this before, one of the things that is extraordinary about the group of people that we have assembled, um, current employees and past employees, there's never a bunch of bravado. I don't feel a lot of ego. We do things for the good of the company. None of us are out there for the spotlight. Nobody's trying to make anybody feel stupid at a meeting or in front of a client. Like these are things that don't exist everywhere, but we take them for granted. 
because I feel that each person who came to work with us and the partnership that the three of us have built, they understand that the mission of what we're trying to do is larger than our each individual selves, which allows for goofy gabbing and all of that kind of stuff at the beginning, because in the end, we all come together and we're all working towards the same goal. There's no back channeling. There's none of that stuff. Look, we're a very small and mighty team, but we know partnerships where we've seen it fall apart because there has been back channeling and back talking and all of that. And we are, we are not guilty of that at all. So the lack of ego is probably our biggest strong suit here is that no one really needs to be the like person who owns everything or has to be the one in charge. It, it, we equally have good egos, but not competitive, like alpha aggressive egos. But it's one of the things where, who knows, maybe we'll look back and say it was stupid. We'd never had a CEO. I mean, there is something to be said for the group effort that it's taken to run this company. We all have our lanes, but in the end, the buck doesn't stop with one person. And I don't, I don't know if it would have worked if we had had somebody that was in the end, the person who was the CEO who told every, who said, no matter what, it's my word. What are you most proud of? I'll start. I'm most proud that we've had the longevity that we've had. I'm really proud that we have the relationships that we have between us. I'm proud that we made it through COVID and we kept our team intact. We kept everyone who worked for us on board, even when we didn't know if we were going to survive as a company. We kept everybody here and the people who work for us have worked for us for a very long time. And I'm sure they all have lots of opportunities to go elsewhere. But the fact that they stay and are loyal to us and loyal to the mission of the second shift and want to stick around says a lot for a very small business. We treat people really well and we're like a little family. I'm really proud that we have the members that we have and the women in our community who trust us and are so grateful to us and that it keeps us going even when it doesn't feel like we're, you know, pushing the boulder up the mountain. It's like what we're doing and the space that we've created and the jobs and the money and the career development in the community means a lot to the people that we help and work with. And that feels great. It's a purposeful job to have. So it feels really good to love what you do. You basically said everything that we should be proud of. So I have nothing left to add. Okay, that's fair. I'll add, I have, I have one or two things. So oh, I would add, I'm proud of the millions of dollars that we have put in our members' pockets through building this business. These are opportunities that literally wouldn't exist without us. And every time we post a new project or we get a new client and I see the pitches that come in, or I have the opportunity to talk to members. They're really amazing. And somehow we have discovered, I think, an incredible sort of alchemy and secret sauce where, to mix metaphors, <laughs> um, where we really are attracting talent that is unbelievable. And I'm super proud of it. It's better every time. I was going to say, what about I think what you've done that you should be really proud of and you own in a lot of ways is having created within so many companies the ability for companies to own flexible remote 
work and to really think about this differently than they did when we started in 2014. The thing that's so interesting about that is I, when we talk about how different our roles are now, so much of my life pre-pandemic was on the road, on an airplane, on the West Coast, like, like visiting companies, Midtown, going to see people, going to conferences, keeping that stuff up. And I do, I, I don't know if we would be where we are right now if I hadn't created those personal connections. And some of those had gone quiet during COVID and now they're coming back again. And some have never failed to work with us. But that for me is, I'm trying to figure out how to re-tinker that because one of the things that I believe is kind of the special part of the second shift is people trust us, especially they trusted us in a time when working this way was not considered the norm. We were really asking our partners to take a chance. And now it seems like that is ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous to us that anybody thought that this was a gamble because we knew how extraordinary our members were and we knew how this was seemed to us like a no-brainer. But at the beginning of all of this, it took a lot of like time in rooms with people. It took a lot of getting, I mean, I can't, and I'm, I mean, I'm also so much older now, but how many red eyes I took, like how many day meetings, like, you know, 24 hours in Seattle and 24 hours in San Francisco. So I'm proud that we were able to get that work done before the world shut down because I'm not sure where we would be if we didn't have those. And I can still open up those relationships, which is really, I was going, I was deleting a bunch of email today and I found all of these emails from one of our favorite Microsoft clients, Lauren Picorni, and he would just email me us randomly to tell us how happy he was with our member Marie that worked for him. And that was, I kept those emails. I put them in a little folder. Because to Kemp's point, we have changed people's lives. We have made it possible for our members to work when they had no idea how they were going to work in the situations that they were in, whether moving, divorced, parents, you know, so many things that we've encountered apart from raising children. Okay, let's, let's end on a note of levity. What's either the funniest thing or funniest memory you have? What would you like to share a funny something about each of us? <laughs> what, I feel like this is going to be a bad one for me. I feel like this is going <laughs> to... This is not... I feel like I'm setting myself up here. I still laugh to myself. I'll be in the... Like, I'll be at Trader Joe's or I'll be driving the day that we were all at the office and we all have the same black computer case. And Jenny was like, why do I have this stupid notebook? Whose notes are these? Whose stuff is this? And it was Kemp's computer case. And Jenny just kept throwing things in the garbage. And that was, it was like, it's not your stuff. That's not your AT&T bill. Read the email. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about right. Oh, yeah. I was like, why? Why is this stuff here? How did this get in my bag? Not your bag. Not my bag. We all have to have, though, our phone cases are all pink, but I do feel like I have answered your phone. Like, there's just... That's the mushiness, as you would say, the schmoopiness. The schmoopiness. Something very funny about Kemp is just, I always laugh when I think, like, 
today you were coming over here to work. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's going to be one o'clock when she comes. She's going to be really hungry (laughs) because Kev is so regimented and trained to eat at a very specific times. And I know her so well that like, I know when she's hungry and when she needs to eat and, and what she likes to eat. And so the fact that I was, you know, already pre-thinking about like, well, Kemp's going to need some snacks, but like, what's she going to need? Because did she eat lunch before she came here because she had a doctor? And what if she's really hungry? She's not going to want to do this podcast because she hates doing this. Um, okay. I have, let's see. I don't know if I've even got that funny. One memory that makes me smile is we had a kind of friend of the company, client-ish person that we were working with. And she has a company that makes clothing and Gina had to speak at a conference and ended up having to wear said item of clothing. And it was a fine, there was nothing wrong with it, but we all could not stop talking about the Seinfeld puffy shirt. And I think about it all the time. It's so funny. Like, I don't want to wear the puffy shirt, um, which makes me really laugh a lot. And Jenny, I had one that I was just going to say about you, but now I forgot it. But I will think of it in a minute. Thank you for feeding me. I appreciate that. I just, when we first started working with Kemp, we were so impressed by how professional she was that she had worked in an office. And we kept saying she's going to be so disappointed that there's no button on the bottom of her desk for someone to bring her coffee. So we would be like, go get Kemp a coffee. Maybe Kemp needs a coffee. Kemp knows how to use PowerPoint. Right. <laughs> Kemp was an investment banker before coming to work at the second shift. So she knew how to do all the things. <laughs> all the things. That's one of the, when you were, we were talking about the alchemy of this company is there's stuff that Kemp can words that come out of her mouth, like reconciling and accounts payable. And I know what they mean, but the fact that she knows how to do it is magic. I mean, it's definitely magic because I don't know how to do that at all. Oh, I, I, here's my, here's a, a Jenny thing. Occasionally, um, Jenny will shop or buy something that doesn't work for her, but then she, then somehow I end up with it. And I, I quite like that. I quite like Jenny's, uh, shopping mistakes that end up on me. Cause she's, for those of you who don't know us, Jenny's like a foot taller than me. So they're big mistakes, but they work for me sometimes. Whenever I buy something that I think, this is cute. And then I put it on my body and I'm like, I, I'm dressed like Kemp. <laughs> or I've done that with Gina. I'm like, I, I'm dressed like Gina. I, 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 we've, we've like morphed into each other. And I'll just give all, it to... All those rag and bone button up shirts. I was like, these are Jenny's shirts. <laughs> these are Jenny's shirts. It, it, it is fun. I, I'm like, a, I also enjoy going online shopping and sending yes. Kemp and Gina being like, you, you need to buy these. You need to buy that. It's one of my most favorite zone out hobbies. I also have to like, just for one second, talk about all the people that work for us that make me laugh so hard. Like, we are so lucky. And I call out Ruth and Elizabeth and Michelle and Michelle doesn't work with us anymore. And Kiki and Kirsten and like all of the fun people. And we've always had fun. And there's like, Ever, we've never had a bummer. We've never, like, there have been some folks that we've done projects with. It was like, that was very nice. That will never turn into anything real. But there's never, I've always said this, there was never anybody that's been part of the second shift that even your brother-in-law, Chris, like I would go on a cross-country flight with him. There's nobody, he was our UX UI designer. There's nobody that I would kill myself if I got stuck in an elevator with them, which is not what you can say about every company. That's a good point. 
Yeah. 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 It's been yeah. fun. Okay. You, you, you look like you're ready to be done here. <laughs> Kev has the body. Like, you know what I learned from this podcast that I was listening to the other day? If your feet are faced forward, you're engaged. If your feet are to the side, it signals to people that you want to leave and that you're ready to go. I re- I learned this. We should have done a lightning round. A lightning round of two things. Okay. One, what's a fun fact about Kemp's type? I can drive a tractor. Fun fact about Gina Hadley? I can't drive a tractor. <laughs> uh, who can't drive stick? Oh, you know what? This is not... Okay, after this... We're all getting in a car and I'm going to teach you how to drive stick because every woman needs to know how to drive a five-speed. What's a fun fact about me? I have a master's in a, in something that I never, ever use in Shakespeare. What's a fun fact about Jenny, Jenny Galuzzo? Uh I was a, a fencer. I went to the Junior Olympics for fencing. Okay. Can I just for one second? I know this is going on too long. So we went to some cosmopolitan women's day, something lady of the year and that wonderful Olympic fencer was there. And Jenny tried so hard to get her to on guard with Jenny for a picture. And she was not having it <laughs> at all. I wore her down. I'm sure I have that you picture. guarded and she has her arms crossed. But Jenny Galuzzo, she is a magical thinker. She was going to get an on guard with her giant wingspan. And it just never happened. <laughs> we both fenced at... Duke, but she actually went to the Olympics and I gave up after a week. (laughs) Uh, How do you make work work for you? I work with people I like and I use all of my husband's tips to try to be productive on my own, but I think that I believe in what I do. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.